If you would this morning, turn with me to Psalm 19. Seems like in my life that I'm always flipping back to the Psalms. (laughs) It's funny how how something will happen in your life and it will change the way you think about something for the rest of your life. And for me it was a class on the Psalms. It was an inductive Bible study on the Psalms with Dr. John Oswald. And uh, ever since then, I just I can't get over the Psalms. Uh, and neither could C.S. Lewis. So I'm in good company, I think. Uh, <clears throat> he's much wiser and smarter than I. Psalm 19, I want to read this. It's been on my heart ever since I went on vacation. <laughs> so I guess last Sunday. Um, and I saw the beach again for the first time in one year. Because we always try to go once a year around that same time. And so this has, been, uh, this has been in my mind for about a week. Psalm 19 here. Listen to these words from the psalmist. The heavens declare the glory of God, and the sky above proclaims His handiwork. Day to day pours out speech, and night to night reveals knowledge. There is no speech, nor are there words. Those, or sorry, whose voice is not heard. Their measuring line goes out through all the earth, and their words to the end of the world. In them he has set a tent for the sun, which comes out like a bridegroom leaving his chamber, and like a strong man runs its course with joy. Its rising is from the end of the heavens, and its circuit to the end of them, and there is nothing hidden from its heat. The law of the Lord is perfect, reviving the soul. The testimony of the Lord is sure, making wise the simple. The precepts of the Lord are right, rejoicing the heart. The commandment of the Lord is pure, enlightening the eyes. The fear of the Lord is clean, enduring forever. The rules of the Lord are true and righteous altogether. More to be desired are they than gold, even much fine gold. Sweeter also than honey and drippings of the honeycomb. Moreover, by them is your servant warned. In keeping them there is great reward. Who can discern his errors? Declare me innocent from my hidden faults. Keep back your servant also from presumptuous sins. Let them not have dominion over me. Then I shall be blameless and innocent of great transgression. Now, let the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be acceptable in your sight, O Lord, my rock and my redeemer. This is the word of the Lord for the people of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Let us pray. Lord, we thank You for Your Word. Would You hide this Word in our hearts so that we might not sin against You or our brother or sister. Help us now to respond to Your Word in faith, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. So, 
we left right after church to go to the beach. When we got there, it's always this you know anticipatory feeling when you approach the ocean. Uh, you begin to smell it first, you know, even through your air conditioning. Uh, you can smell the beach. Wind's blowing in. Of course, it's a six-hour run thereabouts, so there's a lot of anticipation, maybe a lot of anxiety with that anticipation <laughs> when you have three kids packed in there. <clears throat> um, and as we approach, everybody's ready to see the beach. And as I get there, you know, we look, and I, I'm, I'm like, wow, you know, and it's always an amazing thing to look upon. I mean, just think about it real quick. Most people take vacations to go see certain things in the world. I mean, normally you don't take a vacation just to go look at a building. Now, some people do, maybe. But typically it's not to just go to a certain type of building. Um, normally, you go somewhere where there's mountains. Things that humans didn't build. Or you go to a canyon. Or maybe you go to the beach. Or maybe you go see an ocean. God's creation is fascinating. It's marvelous. It's something that we can't reproduce. I mean, you, you could try all you want, but you're not going to reproduce the Grand Canyon. It's not going to happen. You're not going to reproduce an ocean. It can't happen. <laughs> You'd have to have the water from that ocean to do another ocean, and there's just not enough room. Which is why the ocean is so weighty to us. You look out there and you're thinking, wow, man, thing just goes on forever it seems. This huge body of water. And of course you look at the sand and you look at just all the things that God has made. I'm reminded, you know, as you know, I'm just now getting kind of into mountain biking. And so I'm trying to do it a little bit and it's, it's great and I love it. And one thing I told Paul the last time he and I went... As I said, you know, Paul, you can't experience... This This is not man-made. There's something about being out in God's creation that you can't repeat in, in some kind of manufactured way. You know, the woods up on Monsanto, that mountain that we all see when we're topping the hill to go into Huntsville, which is an awesome site, contrasted against what we've built, it remains beautiful. It remains majestic. It remains unrepeatable. And when I'm in God's creation, I feel like I'm in His cathedral, so to speak. It's something that, that He has provided for us to enjoy. And it's majestic. And the psalmist is getting a little bit of this feel. And I don't know if he wrote this while he was on vacation or not. Uh, but he could have been. Because as I looked up at the heavens... I felt like they were declaring God's glory to me. I mean, even just to think about those stars that we always look up. I mean, last night, I don't know if you went out, but it was amazing. Even near a city, you could still see many stars last night, which is unusual because typically the light, the manufactured light that we make, artificial light, so to speak, uh, kind of drowns out some of the light of the stars. But if you just think about the stars real quick, <laughs> and let me just fascinate myself for just a moment, okay? Um, our galaxy, the Milky Way galaxy, that we find our solar system in, along with a lot of other solar systems, is 100,000 light years long. 
Now, some of these numbers is starting to get like our country when you start talking about trillions and billions, and you know, it's just we we kind of just zone out. But just hang with me for just that's six trillion miles. <laughs> that's a long way. <laughs> um, light travels at one hundred and eighty-six thousand miles per second, not per minute, not per hour, but per second. That's 671 million miles per hour. That's, that's pretty fast. I mean, that's, that's so fast that when I cut on the light, it comes on immediately in my naked eye vision. And yet it takes eight minutes and some change for light from the sun to actually get here. Which means all those stars you're looking at, it takes them years to get here. So when you're looking up, you're actually looking into the past. And so I'm sitting here looking up as I'm at the beach at night and these stars are shining down on me and I'm just overwhelmed by God's creation. As I have often been in my life. I love His creation. It's something that, again, we can't reproduce. I mean, He's the God who made DNA. The God who made isotopes. And the God who made pine cones. And trees. And grass that we like to cut and prep up to look good. He's the God who made birds, cats. And He's also the God, of course, who made us. Now this is groundbreaking what the psalmist does here at the beginning. He says, and I do mean groundbreaking, the heavens declare the glory of God. And the sky above proclaims His handiwork. Now, let's, let's just demodernize ourselves for just a moment, if you will, and go back to the ancient way of thinking. The ancients believed that the heavens were so majestic that they had to be gods. They believed that the earth was so majestic that it had to be a god. And they believed that all types of forces of nature, such as tornadoes, or hurricanes, or typhoons, those were also gods. Thunderstorms were gods. You know, America wasn't much in the scene except for the Native Americans, but around here we would have had a tornado god because he's such a great force here in our area. And he gets angry with us. And this is the way they thought. This is the way they viewed the world. For us modern people, a new movie that would help us understand that better would be... a. Um, Almost said apocalypto, but that'd be the tribal side of things. Um, what's the one with the blue people? It's slipping my mind now. Avatar. Avatar. Yes, I knew it was an A. I just couldn't. Apocalypto kept coming up. Mel Gibson. <clears throat> um, Avatar is a perfect example of the way the ancient world thinks. Everything is connected. Everything is connected to each other, and everything is in here in this creation. Nothing is supernatural. Nothing. Is supernatural. Not any one God. Zeus wasn't supernatural. No one was. Everyone's in here, so to speak. Stuck in here. And these forces, these heavens, these earth, everything in them, these forces of nature, they're all gods. And yet, notice what the psalmist says. This is why I say it's groundbreaking. Nobody's ever done this before. He says, the heavens actually declare the glory of God. Who God is above the heavens. He's above the earth. He's the maker Remember our creed. He's the creator, the maker of what? Heaven and earth. 
See, we're so spoiled here in our worldview of the West that we have no idea how groundbreaking this is. And yet, we get caught in the same kind of thing they get caught in. And that is, we miss, we don't, well, to put it in, um, in a popular aphorism or a maxim, we don't ever stop to smell the roses. It's true. We get caught up in our technological life that we never stop to worship God who made the heavens and the earth. It's good to stop and smell the roses. Literally. Stop and smell a rose. If you have one at your house. We can't make that. That's something God makes. I can create the atmosphere for it to happen. The situation for it to happen. But He's got to bring the rose about. He made the birds that you'll hear sing. And the psalmist says, all of this that's good, this huge machine of creation. I mean, just think about all that's happening in your body alone right now. I mean, I know Rachel can respect that, and most of you can because you've looked it up on WebMD, but there's a lot of stuff going on in your body right now. All kinds of mechanisms and machine-like operations, and everything is in concert. I mean, He is a great God. How big is that? I mean, that's just I just gave you the dimensions of one galaxy. There are thousands of galaxies. We don't know the end of them. Our, our limits, we can only look out so far. It just keeps going. So how deep is His love? Because God is love. So how deep is God? How wide is God? How big? Way bigger than we can ever think. He ought to blow our mind. Which is the true term of awesome. <laughs> we kind of overuse the term. Oh, that's awesome. But truly, only God is awesome and His creation is awesome. So the first point the psalmist wants to make here is simply, He's the Creator. And what? what look at the creation He's made. How big and how vast and how complex is this thing? And all of it is praising God. If we look hard enough and deep enough and long enough, we'll see how all of it is pointing to God. I mean, isn't it interesting, and I'm not necessarily trying to make a correlation here, but isn't it interesting that the atom is made of three parts that we know of? The basic building block of life is three in one. It's one thing and yet made of three. And three and one. And we still don't know how it holds together. <laughs> Which is kind of like God. We still don't understand the Holy Trinity. And yet we know He's one and three and three and one. And it's the basic building block of all of life. <laughs> and it's praising God. Every atom in this room is praising God. Life praises God if we'll only stop to listen. If we'll only get out of our own self-centeredness, our own focus on whatever it is we want to do, and stop and be in awe 
of Him. It's what He used with Job, wasn't it? Job's going through such a difficult time. He loses everything. He even loses God in a way. Where are you, God? And finally God shows up and says, I'm the Creator, Job. Did you draw the dimensions out of where the sea will stop? No, sir. Did you put the solar systems in function and in rotation? The seasons? Did you line those up? No, sir, I didn't. You ever had to say no, sir, to God? Because I have. He's made a complex world, and yet such a beautiful world. Some things that are complex aren't very beautiful, like manuals. This is not just a manual. This is an artist's work. And we can see His fingerprints on everybody in this room, on everything in His creation, and everything points to Him. And then He goes to His second main section, 7 through 11. The law of the Lord is perfect. It revives the soul. It revives His law, His instructions, they revive. that's what revives us. That's not normally what we think about when we pray for revival, is it? Lord, we need more of Your law. We need more instructions, Lord. No, normally we want a feeling when we talk about revival. Not His Word. But His Word is what revives the soul. His testimony is sure. It makes the wise... Or sorry, making the wise... Making wise the simple. (laughs) Which is good news. I'm simple-minded. And yet, He says of us that we can be wise if we listen to His testimony. His testimony came through prophets... His testimony came through apostles. And ultimately, Jesus Christ validates that in His life. He's always the center, you know, of Christianity. He always finds Himself in the center. And He better find Himself in the center here. The precepts of the Lord are right. Rejoicing the heart. So how do we have a rejoicing heart? The precepts of the Lord. Again, His law, His instructions. The commandment of the Lord is pure, enlightening the eyes. How, how can we be enlightened? Everybody's looking for enlightenment. The commandments of the Lord. The fear of the Lord is clean. Notice these terms. Enduring forever. And the rules of the Lord are true and righteous altogether. What a nice poetic way of saying God's instructions are for us. It's a poetic way of again saying, not only do we have creation that is pointing to God, just by its sheer magnitude, complexity, artistry, not only do we have it pointing to God, but God hasn't left us with just creation to try to figure out everything. See, that's where, again, think of the ancients. They had to just say, okay, well, what are we like? Because that's what God must be like. God must be like creation. But is God like creation? 
No, he's supernatural. In other words, he's above nature. He's supernature. He created nature. It comes from his mind, from his creativity. But he himself is not a tree. He himself is not the earth or the heavens. The ancients stop at creation. Christians move to the Creator. And here's the good news. The Creator has spoken. We don't have to sit under a tree today and wonder what God is like. We can sit under a tree and know what God is like. There's nothing wrong with sitting under a tree. You see, we, like the ancients, turn to the creation for satisfaction rather than to the Creator. It's what Paul says in Romans 1. They have turned to the creation, to nature, to this world, and not to the One who made it. It's like loving someone for what they give you and not loving them. You're coming short. The gifts are coming from someone. That feeling that they give you, that's coming from a person. This life that you are breathing in and taking out and seeing and experiencing, this is a gift from someone, a giver. All this movement around us today, as the sun will move all the way across from our perspective, and we, from a space perspective, are rotating around in more than one way, all this movement comes from a mover. We fall short. We stop short and only want to enjoy the gifts without enjoying the one who's giving. And only He can truly satisfy. It's probably the hardest lesson for me to learn. Is that this world, pleasure, fame, position, That doesn't satisfy. It's only temporary. And we've got to do it again. We've got to have more. It's what happens to the addict. More and more and more. And we all feel that impulse. There's only a few of us who actually do it. We all else try to keep it at bay. And Jesus says to us today, I am your shepherd. If you come to me, you won't have to want anything. You shall not want. If you eat of my bread, my body, you don't need any other kind of food. Mankind wasn't created just for bread alone, but for the Word of God. That's what Jesus comes back to Satan on in this temptation. 
If you drink of His water, eternal life, you'll never thirst again. But how many of us have that stinging hunger? That constant thirst to taste of this world rather than God? How many of us fill ourselves with the things of this world and just keep dumping more in as if it will ever satisfy? Only He, only God, only Jesus can satisfy the longing in our heart. There's a God hole, so to speak, that only God can fill, and He's huge. So nothing in this world, nothing in the next galaxy, or the next, or the next, or the next, will ever be able to fill that place in our heart. He is your missing puzzle piece that makes everything else work right. You know how you can get a puzzle off, but once you make that one correction, everything falls back into place. He can do that for you. He's more, he's to be desired more than anything in this life. More than gold, more than fine food, more than entertainment, more than pleasure, more than position and power. The psalmist then lastly, and we'll end on this. He asked for forgiveness. Notice this in verse 12. Declare me innocent from hidden faults. You know those hidden faults. We all have those things that we have done in our past that we don't want anyone else to know about. He can forgive you. And you know what He tells us? That He chooses to forget it. He'll never bring it up again. That's hard for us humans to do. Never bring it up again. Never use it as leverage. Because you know we like to write it in our little black book and put it away so that at the right opportune time we can bring it out and throw it in somebody's face. Use it for our benefit. God says, if you come to me, confess to me, ask for repentance, ask to turn away, I will help you turn away from it, and I'll also forgive you. I'll never bring it up again. He chooses to forget it. You see, He's better than what we think He is. Satan wants us to think that He plays the little games that we play. You know, in other words, if I do something for Chris, well, he better do something for me. Because I'm keeping tally here. You know how it is at work. Well, if I help him out, he better be help me out later. We're always calculating, playing little games, even in relationships, even spouses. We're trying to leverage one another in arguments or in situations. God isn't playing a game. He is only good. And we just don't believe that. Satan has tricked us. He does what he does best, and that is he has deceived us. God is for you. 
And he's not playing a little game. He's not keeping up with a little black book. He's not trying to get leverage over it. He doesn't need it. See, the good thing about God is He doesn't need anything. All of us need stuff, which is why we try to manipulate one another. He doesn't need anything. He's in a position of only giving. And you know what? He wants to make us like that too. Now, we all like people who only give. Servants, which he mentions this term here in verse 11, which is what we talked about last week. We all like people like that, but we don't like to be those people. There's something in us that turns away from that. And the good news is, God can help us be giving. He really can. Today, right now, He can do it. His grace is sufficient for anything that we meet today, tomorrow, a thousand years, a million years. He is bigger than all that. I mean, I just tried to explain to you in numerical terms, which I didn't do a good job of because I'm not a physicist or I'm not a space person. But He's big. He's huge. He's faster than light years. He's bigger than the universe. Which means all the galaxies together that we can't even see. He's bigger than that. He's deeper. He's fuller. He has more to give. Don't fall short. Don't let Satan sell you short on God. We have to turn here. We have to be reminded. We need to rally around each other and remind each other of who He is. Because our tendency is to forget. He says, Lord, forgive me. And He says, Lord, cleanse me. Notice His terms that He's already used. Clean, pure, true. He says, keep back your servant also from presumptuous sins. Let them not have dominion over me. Is there a sin in your life that has dominion over you? God can help you stop. He can help you start. Some sins you need to... is the fact that you're not doing something. And you need to start doing something for God. Other ones is you need to stop doing something. He can help you. He is here to help you. He wants to help you. The only thing that's in your, in your way is you. <laughs> the only way that the only person that's in my way is me. It's not my brother. It's not my wife. It's not my kids. It's not Satan. It's me. All I have to do is open my life to God, and yet we don't trust Him. What I'm saying today, what the psalmist is saying, He created all that. He's faithful. He created this. He has spoken His Word. He's lived His Word. Trust in Him. Put your faith in God. He is trustworthy. And when you do that, you'll be blameless and innocent before Him. What a life to live. Not always looking over your shoulder. Not always worrying about what other people think. But instead, innocent. Blameless. He can make you that today. It doesn't matter what you've done in the past. It doesn't matter what you're caught in now. He
He can deliver you. He is the Redeemer. That's what the title of this message is. He's the Creator, but He's also the Redeemer. He can redeem any situation. No matter how tangled up we get in the cords of sin. No matter how deep we sink into our own demise. He can pull us out. There is nothing too great for God. Nothing. Let His light shine in your soul today. Open it up. Don't close it out. Instead, come to Him open. Lord, may the words of our mouth and the meditation of our heart be acceptable in Your sight because You are our rock and our Redeemer. Amen. Well, I like that.